I want to preface this morning's message uh, by first of all recognising something of the, the history of this church. We, um, I would say, are, have been and are a, what I can see a, a very generous church. We, we celebrate 90 years this year. Uh, we mentioned that a couple of weeks ago and then perhaps at the Cup Day picnic we might even get one of those special $4.50 mud cakes from Woolworths, you know, <laughs> delicious. You can put two on top of each other and put icing and make it look really fancy. <clears throat> but we know that a couple of women, are from what I've read, from the Salvation Army from Parra Road started a Sunday school and uh, in 1932. And in 1935, uh, there was a purchase of, a, of some land here in the very far corner. A little, I think it was a tin shed or something was brought down from Briar Hill down here. And, and then there was land purchased next door. And uh, I don't have all the dates, but, you know, the, the church, this church went up here, the hall, I think, first. And then there was land purchased again, and this went up and... In more recent times, the, the vision and, and elders and leaders and members of the church who gave so generously and graciously um, and purchased the, the, the property next door. We have money in the bank. We don't owe anything on this. Um, and, and I can testify to the, the gracious giving uh, of so many in this church just in the recent times, even through this COVID, um, giving to... To, to, to the tragedies of, of Ukraine and to the flood victims in our own country. But that's enough about patting ourselves on the back because I, I also know as we come to this passage that there are places that the Spirit of God can encourage us and challenge us. Is that up on the... Go over to bring up the... Thanks, mate. We really, uh, as we're sort of halfway through or so, just over halfway through 2 Corinthians, um, we're really looking at two key points in, in 2 Corinthians. The first one is Paul's defence of his apostleship and his ministry. And really, that's the, the main sort of... Um, purpose of this letter and we've already talked about that and we talk about it more in chapters 10 and onwards but in the middle of that is in chapters 8 and 9 is this reminder of their commitment to give to the needy churches and the needy Christians in Judea And so we want to get a bit of context about where are we at when it comes to chapters 8 and 9. What's going on? <clears throat> I think one of the difficulties, and it's not something I've spoken on a lot in my time in, in speaking, um, speaking on, on generosity and giving uh, can be difficult because it's not something that you want to compel people to do. It shouldn't come under... Um, being commanded to do it. And that's what Paul says in this letter. But it should be an attitude, it should be a, a heart, a desire to want to give. 
And so how will Paul teach these Corinthians? And in turn, how will we learn to give generously? Not a command, but from our hearts. During the reign of Emperor Claudius in 41 to 54 AD, just before Sam was born, you wouldn't remember him, Sam, there were many outbreaks of famine. And we see uh, one instance recorded in Acts 11. Uh, It says there, in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine all over the world. And the disciples determined, everyone according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers and sisters living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. So Judea was, uh, was experiencing constant famine and, and they were in need. Not, not because petrol had hit $2 a litre or milk had gone up. They were in desperate need of just the basic necessities of life. Yeah, just, just food and water. Just to get by today and to survive another week. A severe famine. And this is what Paul told the Roman Christians about this effort. In Romans 15, he says, At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contributions for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. And so this is the context, this is the circumstances around in which Paul writes to these Corinthians. And in the first letter of Corinthians in chapter 16, he, he says to them about preparing a contribution for these Christians. And so he comes in verse 1. And to me, before anything else, Paul wants to remind them or that they would know something about the grace of God. Now, we understand the grace of God to be the unmerited favour of God. And, and, we, and that is a, a true definition. And we understand that in the context of salvation, that we don't earn the right to be forgiven. We don't earn our salvation. It's by grace. We haven't earned it, but we receive it. Yet the word grace not only refers to God's inclination to treat people better than what we actually deserve, but it also refers to the action or the power or the influence which produces powerful and practical outcomes in our everyday life. And I think Paul uses grace in this context a number of times. One is in, uh, in a couple of times in 2 Corinthians. In uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at times, you may abound in every good work. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Jesus actually says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. And in 1 Corinthians 15.10, by the grace of God, I am what I am. 
and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder, which was the effect of God's grace, than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is within me. And so while we have this simple definition of of undeserved favour in the context of salvation, which is true, we also have the context of grace that it is uh, that it is something that is ongoing in the Christian life. That yes, I've experienced God's grace and favour at the cross through salvation, but as I go on living my life for Jesus, his grace is seen in the way that I live and treat others. That when I love and care for someone, I'm not doing it on the basis of what they deserve, but I'm loving them graciously because I've experienced God's grace. You see, we just spoke recently about being ambassadors. Raf talked about that a few weeks ago in 2 Corinthians. And it was all about representing Christ. And so if we are representing Christ here on earth, the expectation is that our life would, would be something like, represent something of who Jesus is. And Jesus is all about grace. We didn't deserve it, but he gave it. We didn't earn it, but we received it. And in your everyday life, Yes, you've experienced grace at the cross and you've experienced grace at salvation, but in your everyday life as ambassadors for Jesus, it's about grace, the grace of God outflowing in your life, loving people, forgiving people, caring for people. Not because they deserve it or they've earned it, but it's an outpouring and a representation of who Jesus is in your life. So Paul wants these Corinthian Christians to know something about what the churches in Macedonia are doing regarding this effort. Um, These Macedonian churches would include Philippi, Berea, um, Thessalonica and Paul wants them to know that these Christians in Macedonia despite their difficult circumstances have been given, has been, have been given You see, he says that they've been under severe test of affliction, that they've experienced extreme poverty. And even though they're experiencing those circumstances, this is Paul saying that they're giving graciously. Giving by grace shouldn't be limited to just what we have. And that might sound... Well, that's not very practical. I mean, how can we give if we don't have it? Or how can we... But I think this is the point Paul's making concerning the Macedonian Christians. In verse 3, he says, I testify that according to their ability and beyond, they gave of their own accord. They committed to giving even when they didn't even see it right in front of them. In Mark 12, 
Jesus calls his disciples over at the temple. Come, come, come here. Look, look. Oh, look at those, like, those people throwing plenty of notes into the offering. Here comes a poor widow. Two things you didn't want to be 2,000 years ago, poor and a widow. With two small copper coins. And she's given all she has. Who's given more? We know, don't we, the story? Not the people throwing in all the money. The one who gave all she had. And this giving with grace, this principle of giving with grace, is evident in the churches in Macedonia. It was done with joy. They gave voluntary. They weren't commanded. And they actually begged earnestly for the favour in taking part in giving to relief, to give relief to the Christians. They begged, it says, to be able to give in verse 5. And their giving was beyond what Paul and Titus expected. You see in verse 4, you can see that these Christians saw giving as a grace. They didn't use, um, if you look in verse 4, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. There was no uh, yardstick. There was no um, cap on what they were going to give. There was no percentage of what they had that they were committing to. So where does this heart and joy for generosity come from? From these people. Where does it come from for us at Monty? Well, in in verse 5 that we just read, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. You know, in Mark 10, we, we have that, uh, that story of the, the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus. Oh, he's been good. He's been real good. He's done all the right things. Followed all the laws. He's ticked them off one by one. And Jesus asked him, surrender all. Do you surrender all? Then come and follow me. You see, Paul's not interested in just the money. That's not Paul's message. Not interested in just give, you know, and, and then you've done the right thing and you're, you're right for the week. That's not Paul's message. Paul's message is constantly in his letters that God wants more than your money. God is not interested in tick, box ticking exercises. He is interested in all you have. He's interested in all of your life. Give all of yourself to him. Because when you give all of yourself to Jesus, 
there will be that attitude of grace that you will recognise what you have you have received that you don't deserve. And in giving all of yourself to Jesus, you put yourself in a place of of, of pouring that grace that you have received and pouring it out in the, the time that you give and the way that you treat people, the money that you give is done in an attitude of generosity and graciousness. Paul is encouraging these Christians to finish off what you've started. Bring to completion this act of grace. Verse 6 says, bring to completion this act of grace that you started that he spoke about in 1 Corinthians and we'll get to, uh, which comes up in verse 11 about the completion of this act in a moment. But I want to move on and look in these next few verses around the, the purpose of, of giving with grace and sort of the result of giving with grace. I think I'll just highlight four things that, are, that, that stand out to me. The first one is, it's part of experiencing the Christian life in its fullness. You see there, Paul says, you, you, you excel in faith, you excel in speech. You guys are doing so well in, in knowledge. And your love. But see that you also excel in the grace, in the grace of giving. It's part of the Christian life, giving with grace. And it proves, or it puts on display love. This act of grace in giving puts on display the love of God. It's not a command, it's not, they're not compelled to do it. Because that really changes the intention of the giver. Rather, Paul points out that this act of grace is proving our love for God is genuine and sincere. We, um, we can't just say, I love. I love God. I love others. If it's not seen in our actions. Because love is a doing word needs to be seen. As I've mentioned in, in, in the history of this church has been much action of giving with grace. People that have given and given and given with generosity and graciousness. And as recipients of God's grace then we are to display that grace in the way that we give in the way that we love, in our attitude and our support of others. Thirdly, and I reckon most importantly, is to imitate Christ. Giving with grace is about imitating Christ. For you know, in verse 9, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Those first few words of verse 9 really are connecting from what Paul has said to what he wants to say next. 
You know the grace that Jesus has extended to you. Though he was rich, he became poor so that we would be rich. Paul talks about who we are in Christ a lot in Ephesians 1. Talk about the the, the love that we receive, the calling on our life. Talking about we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Jesus. We are chosen for a purpose, called for glory. And he makes this emphatic point here, the grace that we are called to live out, to give to others, to show in our life, in the way that we give, it is by no means a, a comparison or a match to what we've received. Don't think you can put a cap on it and think, well, I've received this much, so I, I, you know that's the limit of my grace that I'll display. No, of course not. We can't outgive God. We can't match the grace that we have received as believers. Oh, but we're called to display and imitate Jesus Christ in our life. And this is a, you know, another way. Just another way to be living for Jesus, to make Jesus known is to imitate Christ in giving with grace. The love and the sacrifice of of Jesus Christ is always our example. The grace we received at the cross through the death of Jesus Christ for our sins is always the example and the motivation to be giving with grace. And lastly here, helping others in need. The desire of the apostles was to see believers help each other. When you have plenty, help them out. Because you know maybe down the road, you're going to need it. And maybe down in Judea, they'll have plenty. And then they're going to help you out. So here you all are, Corinthian Christians, great at this, excelling in faith, speech. It's got to be a choice to give, not a command. It will display your love. This is an opportunity to be like Jesus, to help out your brothers and sisters. Now it's time for you to finish the job, finish the work. Your eagerness at the start has got to be finished now with the completion. Your eagerness and passion at the start has got to be matched at this time now to complete the work. Finish it off. So often we can start things off so passionate and energised and have a great idea. But time can wear us down, can't it? 
that we lose that vision, we lose the purpose, maybe we lose resources. And what was a fantastic idea with plenty of energy, enthusiasm, has amounted to not much. I'm not much of a a handyman, um, as you would know, if you know me. Um, These hands are very, pretty soft and (coughs) haven't seen too many tools. Um, Our uh, garden is hard work. We've got lots of garden, but it's hard work. We we aren't a weekend gardeners, Rachel and myself. We, We tend to do a lot maybe at once every six weeks because it gets too much so there's a big job that needs to be done but recently I had this urge and this uh, desire to really get in and and do something you know I I wanted to put this retaining wall up and I I wanted to put in a little concrete step uh, Sam just at the back near the one of our side gates so I went to Bunnings and I, and I went into Bunnings. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get this. I want to buy this sleeper. That We don't even have that. You've got to go across the road. I was in the wrong Bunnings, so they've got another Bunnings. I had to go across there. Then I wanted to get the concrete. Oh, you've got to go back to get it. <clears throat> so I'm already like on the back foot. Three hours to get three things. <laughs> so I, I buy this wood and I buy this stuff to build this retaining wall and the concrete bag is still in the garage. <laughs> It's been raining a lot <laughs> and it's like been it's wet underneath and I'm already dreading that if I pick that up it's like going to be stuck. The concrete's already mixed itself. <clears throat> I have managed to put in the metal, uh, the metal sleeper thing. The stakes. Oh, thinking about lunch now. <laughs> I put in the stake and I've put in one of those, the wooden sleeper, um, it's not level. You had to dig. I, I haven't got the tool. I, I just got this big sh- old shovel thing. I'm trying to, and I've got one thing in. I've still got one big of wood in the garage. Um, I haven't put that in, and and I, you know I want to put that in. Put like dirt behind it, and then some stones and around the lemon tree. <clears throat> anyway, still weeds and grass everywhere. I'm sure in your life there's, and in my life, many more important things than retaining walls that we've started, we haven't completed. Maybe it's a calling into ministry or a mentoring relationship that you wanted to to build with someone and go deep with someone and invest. Maybe it is about giving a gift to a charity or overseas. Maybe it's a relationship breakdown, you know, you've desired to really reach out and forgive and to meet with them and, and there's been passion and there's been a desire and there's been uh, energy to do it. But you've just come to a place of putting it off. And you've dipped. And now it's been put off so much that it's not even really on the radar this week. 
or next. Finish the work, Paul says. Finish the work that you set out to do, giving graciously. Maybe you just need to be reminded this morning of the grace of God. Maybe you just need to be reminded this morning that the grace of God that you've experienced at the cross, he also wants to powerfully use in your life every day. To be ambassadors for Jesus. To represent Jesus on earth, his kingdom on earth. To love people like Jesus. To forgive people like Jesus is going to take his grace at work in your life. To give, to give like Jesus will take his grace at work in your life. Father, we um, just pause and thank you for giving Jesus Christ that he came so humbly and gave his life for us. Uh, We are lost without him. Thank you that we don't need to earn it. We just come by faith and believe that our sins are forgiven, that we are saved into eternity. Lord, challenge us through your Holy Spirit, not on what has been or what we have accomplished or what we have done, but on what is to come today what is to come Monday and the rest of this week and the rest of this year, that we would represent you well, that your grace is sufficient, that it would be evident in the way that we live, the way that we love, the way that we give. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.